1: of enemy territory downtown Toronto alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood and welcome to the Jimmy Stew show not only did the Ottawa Senators get a much-needed victory to close out the road trip from hell but Jimmy Superstar got hit three-point night and the Senators get their first win since opening night against the Toronto Maple Leafs it was a 3-2 win over the Montreal Canadiens. Matt Murray held the in goal man so many great performances we'll dive into those with our send central standouts and of course we'll have a full breakdown of the game also get this wild stat last night was the first senators regulation win on the road in over a calendar year oh it feels just as good either way all that and more this is the locked on senators podcast your team every day Today is Friday, February 5th in Pilsy. We're going to get to Timmy Superstar, but we've been hard on Matt Murray. What can you say about the Tendys' performance last night? What a
0: game. Hashtag goalie-friendly show, so you know we're going to show some love right off the bat when a goalie does what Matt Murray did last night. And I tweeted it out. This was a classic scenario where the Senators needed... Matt Murray to steal them a game here. They needed their goalie to be one of the best players on the ice. And he did that. And they barely hung on to this win, but a three, two win up against the division leading Montreal Canadians is one hell of a way to end a road trip.
1: That's how you end the road trip. But how about the start of the game for Matt Murray? I knew off the first save he was locked in. It was just a point shot deflected. He was in good position. He went down into his butterfly, but as the tip cut came, it bounced up a little bit and he just snagged it out of midair. I was like, okay, he's locked in. He's focused. He knows that rebounds have been an issue this season and he's just not going to allow it to happen. So I thought that that was a very solid start to Matt Murray's performance, despite the one goal against, not his fault, screen play, puck drops, Gallagher's just on the doorstep. You just have to eat that. But now the Ottawa Senators, they've been scored against first in seemingly every game I believe it's their eighth time in 11 games this season how were they able to bounce back and I'm opening the door
0: here for some Timmy talk well hey before we move on to Timmy they were able to bounce back because Matt Murray didn't let that affect him right like I think The rest of the season, we've seen Matt Murray let in a goal, and then it's just deflated. Like, you can tell his confidence is down. He's not catching pucks. He's letting them hit off his glove. Uh, When guys are coming in with a straight shot on him, he doesn't look confident. And that wasn't the case this time. Like you said, that that goal wasn't Matt Murray's fault at all, but he stayed strong. And... What did the Senators do, Ross? They got one of those momentum goals. They got two of those momentum goals we were talking about. And even uh, two ways for the momentum goals because they scored late in the first period and then they scored only 18 seconds after Timmy Stutzlake takes the lead for the Ottawa Senators. And if you want to know what what that goal felt like for the Ottawa Senators, go back and watch the replay and watch the tight replay of them celebrating in the corner uh, on the boards. Drake Batherson is elated with joy like he is so fired up timmy stutz feeling good and they finally you can tell like the the energy around them is there they're like we got the lead boys the the period's over we're going into the second period up to one like that is a massive boost for these guys and it doesn't happen without the play of Timmy Stutzla. He starts that first play, that first goal to um, for Shabbat's goal, gets it to Tierney, a nice hard pass to start the breakout. Tierney gets it to Ch- Shabbat. Shabbat does exactly what we want Shabbat to do. He realizes there's an opportunity to join the rush, and he gets in right in stride, gets the puck, and fires it on net and beats Carey Price. I love that. Then Timmy Stutzla is on the power play, top power play unit, may I remind you. Nice move by DJ Smith there gets the feed from Batherson makes no mistake. Like that is, that's a fine tuned machine by the Ottawa centers there in that final minute of the first period.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned it two sides of a momentum shifter and they carried it into the second period. I thought as well, but with Timmy superstar, this guy has arrived not only the three points, but the confidence at the first power play unit. What's he doing out there? beaver tapping he's like give me the puck right now even towards the end of the game some rookies may be a little timid but no he wants the puck on his stick because he knows he can make something happen we're going to touch more on stutzla on murray and the rest of the sen central standouts because there was a few but man we got to talk about the coaching decisions because dj smith was reluctant to put the kids in the lineup and you're like oh no is this another guy boucher situation but as is his word from before the season when he was getting everyone fired up about how there's going to be more rookies on this team than any other. He adds Branstrom in. Not only does he add him in, Branstrom played some shifts on the PK. And you're like, wow, okay, DJ Smith's really starting to trust these younger kids. What can you say about DJ putting these adjustments into action?
0: I think a lot of people gave uh, DJ Smith the hard time. Like, I said it before, you got to remember these first 10 games are basically like preseason, right? So, and he, when he was hired, the whole premise was uh, Pierre Dorian saying, this is a guy that's going to help develop our young guys. We can't have another, and he didn't name him, but basically said, we can't have another Guy Boucher scenario where all these veterans are playing all the time. We need a guy who's going to work with the kids and DJ Smith, you got to credit him. He did it slowly in the way that he thought would work best, even though it blew up in his face, let's be totally honest there. But he didn't want to just trot the kids out there and then say – Ah, uh, see, I trotted the kids out there and we lost 10-1. What do you want me to do? He tried to make it work. He slowly built up their confidence. He showed them uh, times where they needed to be better, more responsible, and they've worked on that. And Timmy Stutzler has gained confidence. They're starting to get their legs under them. Um, inserting Eric Branstrom into the lineup looks like an amazing move. Getting Zub playing regularly it looks amazing. Getting Coburn and Paquette out of the lineup was a great idea. Shifting Stepan basically all the way down the lineup was another great idea just left right and center DJ Smith really I would say this lineup tonight was a perfect utilization other than and we can get into it later but Gal not getting any power play time was a little bit surprising for me but other than that I would say he utilized this lineup and the tools at his disposal perfectly.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Galchenyuk, the only player on the senators playing under 10 minutes. He played seven fifty two shots on goal. And both of those shots were what you like to see where it's on the rush, get pucks on net. And I thought he got a lot of, uh, heat on both of them. Like he, he, he priced a hard time
0: handling both. Yep.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So I thought that that would be deserving of a little more opportunity, but Galchenyuk, I mean, we're not privy to what's going on in practice and if he's not dominating out there or, or what the case may be, but That was a bit of a head scratcher, but when you have the top three lines going the way that Ottawa's were, I don't know what kind of moves you really expect a coach to make. Like Connor Brown, he's been buzzing a few games this year, but he really came into his own last night. You know that he's going to be great on the penalty kill, and that entire PK unit was just awesome. Like, not only Brandstrom playing 46 seconds and getting that shot block on the PK, but didn't you find they were just more aggressive in general, not letting them get set up. And when you got the Weber bomb back there, you have to cover the point in a hurry against Montreal. And I thought Ottawa did an outstanding job of not letting Montreal get set up on the man advantage. Even the five on three, I thought Austin Watson did a great job really getting out to the point and creating a turnover and getting the puck down the ice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You got to credit the penalty killing units here for sure. And one thing I've noticed, instead of just um, having kind of a box setup where you collapse towards the net, which they were doing at the start of the season, that clearly wasn't working. They've kind of shifted to a new design where they have two guys at the hash mark. So like the two corners of your regular penalty killing box. But then the other guys that are closer to the defenseman are kind of spread spread out one in front of the other. So it's kind of like a straight line towards those two defenders in front of the net. And I think that just allows them to break up the cross-ice passes. It makes it more difficult to move that puck around and to have guys get shifted out of position with puck movement. So I think they did a good job there. One thing you talked about, the point shots, The Sens were pretty damn lucky in that scenario because Jeff Petrie wired one off the crossbar from the point and Shea Weber had one of his shots tipped and deflected off the post too. So they got lucky as well on the PK, which is something they deserve. They've earned that luck to go in their way. So I'm glad that helped out. That Petrie shot was loud, but
1: on the replay, you could see Murray got a piece of it and that's all he needed to get because... Uh, I don't know any of the defense and wanting to get in the way of that one. You always hear how nobody wants to get in the way of Weber's shot, but Petrie can absolutely bring it as well. I should mention when we talk about Connor Brown, talk about penalty killing. How about that play? What was he trying to do? A little shot put there. He knew right away that was a mistake that was could have been costly, but
0: the boys bailed him out big time the boys bailed him out there and yeah that's that's one of those mistakes where as soon as that puck is in his hand he's just, like that's just instinct right his brain is just like get the puck out get the puck out get the puck out and then it's in his hand he's like hey okay, I'll just throw it and that is a terrible play and he admit admitted after it was a bonehead play and that's especially a boneheaded play because like you said that there's one of your best penalty killers not available for a 5 on 3 so Connor Brown, he he got lucky that nothing happened there and that he got an incredible tip to score a goal uh, for the Sens here. So, great game by CB. So, riddle me this.
1: The Ottawa Senators, in their past five games, they got outscored by 18 goals, but they either outshot or were even in shots with their opponent in all five of those games. Last night, Montreal outshoots Ottawa 38-22, but Ottawa comes out victorious. Can you put that together for me and my small brain that's trying to figure out how that's possible? Goaltending. Yeah.
0: That's, that's, but I say that jokingly, but that's literally what this comes down to. Because you mentioned the shots and the score being flipped uh, in, in favor of other teams. Well, you could say the same about uh, their advanced stats, right? Their Corsi, their high danger scoring opportunities. All of those, the Senators in the past three games uh, before this one where they lost... They were leaders in those categories, in shots for all those things. They were leaders in, but they were not getting the timely saves. They weren't getting the goaltending. They were getting those momentum goals scored against them. That straight up is the difference here in this game.
1: Back-to-back games with a faceoff percentage above 55, which also helps out. I know on the shot clock necessarily it didn't, but just having that extra possession and shorthanded, we mentioned how they were near the bottom of the league with a 32% efficiency, last night went 6 for 10 for 60%. So you love to see that if you're an Ottawa Senators fan. And we love to see when the Sens hit, especially when they're huge underdogs like they were last night at BetOnline.ag. And not only are we hammering the Sens, although we've been told maybe we should stop because it's getting expensive, but then when a game like last night happens, it makes it all Worthwhile, So we've been hammering that at betonline.ag and we're ready for some football on Sunday after a nice matinee on Saturday for the Sens and then Sunday you lock in to Super Bowl. You make your bets at betonline.ag because it's the one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust at betonline.ag for our sports wagering. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag but when you do, use our promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus that you can use on silly wagers. Like, is it going to be heads or tails? What's the first score of the game going to be? What color Gatorade will be dumped on the winning coach? All that kind of good stuff at betonline.ag. And Pilsy, we got to talk about your pick of the day, your parlay of the day, I should say, because you hit, I mean, your profit was barely anything, but how about just getting the confidence level back? Is that going to carry over
0: to today? Look, all I'm going to say is, is it a coincidence that Pillsy's Parlay of the Day finally hit and then the Sens also snapped their losing streak? I don't think so. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We finally got a win, Pillsy's Parlay of the Day, and I don't care all you people out there saying, oh, it's barely a profit. Oh, you just bet the favorites, whatever. A W is a W, and I'm eating that up. And... Like I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So let me roll out this Pillsy's parlay of the day for you. We got the Boston Bruins up against the Philadelphia Flyers. Boston Bruins are the favorite. We're going to hit that money line at minus 129. And Ross, I think you know where I'm going with my second game here. The Tampa Bay Lightning are up against the Detroit Red Wings. We're going to hit that Tampa Bay money line at a freezing cold minus 338. Put those two favorites together. They're going to win it again. Risk $10 to win 13 So that would return you 23 just for all those out there wondering. That's not a $3 profit. That's a $13 profit. Thank you very Ooh, much. Wow. So we're going to hit that uh, parlay once again. It's going to hit once again. The Sens are going to win once again. And Locked On Senators podcast and the Senators are on the way up. Let's go.
1: Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's fed online, your online sports book experts. All right, Pillsy, we do have a couple more notes on the game itself, but I can't wait any longer. We have to get to our sends central standouts. And for the first time in a while, we've got more than one each and that's great in itself. Pilsy, lead us off. Who's your number one Sense Central standout from last night's 3-2 win?
0: Well, I got to start with my guy, Matt Murray. He was incredible last night. And, I'm giving him the Sens central standout, not only because he played an incredible game. He stole the game for them, but even if the Sens lost this game, I would have given him a sense central standout because the shift in confidence is so clear that that's something he's going to build on for the rest of the season. Now I'm not sure what happened to start the season, why he got off to such a shaky start, but this is a different Matt Murray. We're seeing in net from the first couple of games, because we talked about it, the rebound control, like, I was really dialed in on his glove hand. I think maybe there was just estimating eight glove hand shots and he probably caught seven of them. Before, it was the other way around. There'd be eight glove hand shots and he'd catch one of them if he's lucky. So that's a massive, massive part of his game improving here. 38 shots on goal, 36 saves. That's huge for Matt Murray. He was... um, And not only just like weak shots, like he was coming up on big time saves, a couple uh, chances by Toffoli. Josh Anderson got close, although he did get the one off a face-off, but Matt Murray is my first central standoff and I'll pass the torch off to you so you can hit on the next obvious central standout.
1: Yeah, there's two that that rose above the crowd today and the other one was Timmy Stutzla. Like we could read through his stats, sure, but I think it's just a confidence and poise that he's shown throughout this, getting better every single game and don't look now, but he leads all Ottawa senators in goal scoring with four. He's climbing up the rookie ladder. I think he's fourth in rookie scoring and he's played less games than anybody else on that list. This kid is the real deal. It took him a few games to get his feet wet. And uh, Steve on Sens wrote on Twitter and great follow, by the way, make sure you're following Steve on there. there. Uh, Send central citizen. I should mention as well, but he said that he read somewhere that it took Stutzla six games in the DEL to get comfortable and then it was an explosion from there so are we seeing the same thing at the nhl level with timmy because it really felt last night that he arrived and i mentioned the beaver taps on the power play just calling for the puck over and over again because as it stands or as it stood i don't know if he was always comfortable having the puck on his stick through the first like two games it was just kind of like And not that he played poorly, but just, you know, it takes a little bit of time and he was coming off an injury and there was still that nagging issue that he ultimately sat out three games for. But once he's come back from that, from sitting out, I think, what do you think about the fact that he sat upstairs and watched games? I think that only benefited him long-term being able to see the game from that bird's eye view.
0: Yeah, I think it helps for sure. And especially, When you're a guy, Timmy Stutzla, you're coming in highly uh, touted. You just were named best forward of the tournament. In his mind, he's probably thinking, I'm going to hit the ground running in the NHL, and I'm going to get things going right away. Like, I'm confident, I'm ready. And that doesn't happen. And that can be a massive confidence killer for a young guy, especially a young, talented guy like Timmy Stutzla, when he's used to just dancing around everyone on the ice, and that wasn't happening. So I think a break, some time off, getting to see the game from a different view spot up top, getting to see how fast it is and where he needs to be positionally, maybe a little bit better was, was a good thing in turn first. That's obviously you don't want that to happen through injuries or through being a healthy scratch. So usually it's not a good thing, but considering the circumstances, it was a small injury. He's back at it. He looks good. I think it turned out to be a positive for him.
1: How nice to see him celebrate a goal. His last two goals were just such meaningless third period goals in terms of the ultimate outcome of the game. So Great to see him. You already mentioned the Sally, everyone looking so fired up. And that must be a part of the reason why, because that breakaway goal in Edmonton, he just went to the bench was like, okay, like let's, let's go. It's time to move on. We've lost eight in a row, but now that was a huge goal in the game, a momentum shifter. And then Connor Brown's deflection, like Stutzla right off the draw, gets it back to Branstrom. And he, Eric Branstrom, that is, is my other central standout because this kid just comes in, the quarantine king. He's quarantined 21 days total since his first one in Switzerland in early December. He comes in, and I thought he looked fantastic. Maybe the senator's second best defenseman behind Thomas Shabbat, and you're going to get to him in just a moment. But the only reason I say maybe is because we're getting a lot of replies, and you can always have your say at Send Central. We tweet out after the game, who are your Send Central standouts? And the love for Artem Zub. This kid's a stud too, but I'm going to focus on the franchise because I mentioned the penalty killing. He played 16-22. I can almost guarantee that he's going to play more than that in Saturday's matinee. Do you think that he has done enough to gain DJ Smith's trust to the point that he is going to be a regular in this lineup for the rest of the season?
0: Well, I mean, small sample size, right? One game. No, so no, um,
1: <laughs> get fired up.
0: He's yeah, here. He's hey, here. I, I am fired up, but I don't think uh, I don't think he's gonna move mountains just yet. But he looked damn good for a guy who's been quarantined, who hasn't played in the NHL a while, who didn't get a, an opportunity to get in training camp. Like he looked good out there. Doesn't he look bigger than he did last year? I felt last year he just looked like a guy who was gonna get pushed around, but he looks more solid. That's what I was going to say. He looks small out there actually. So, but really maybe I thought compared look- to last year, yeah. he might look a little bigger, but compared to relatively compared to all the other guys on the ice, especially the senators, which I think are still the tallest average team in the league. He looks a little small out there, but that's fine because he's an evasive, talented puck moving defense. And we, we talked about it ad nauseum. This team needs another puck moving defenseman because Riley just wasn't getting it done. Landon's hurt. Shabbat can't be on the ice at all times, even though he pretty much is. Um, they needed a guy like this and he played exceptional. He was making quick, smart decisions. It didn't look like a guy who hadn't played professional hockey in a while. He was on the ball. Uh, I love, and I say this about a lot of defensemen. I don't really like the, the Webbers that are just winding up and, shooting it as hard as I can and hoping uh, kind of the happy Gilmore style that the power will just uh, find its way through. I like the defensemen like John Klingberg's perfect example that are feathering these wrist shots to the net because that gives opportunities for tips, deflections, bounces, rebounds, all those kinds of things. And that's exactly what Branstrom did on Connor Brown's goal. I love seeing that. He did that uh, again sooner. I think Batherson got a piece of it. That's the perfect kind of play I want to see from Eric Branstrom. And he looked great out there on the power play too. So so to answer your question, I don't think it's it's uh for sure that DJ Smith is gonna put him into a massive role yet, but that definitely was a great start. Absolutely. Something else I noticed about
1: Branström playing 1622 is that Mike Riley, who had led this team in ice time for the games when Shabbat was out, played the least of any defensemen all of That's a sudden. Nice. So 1544. I thought he was okay though. Like he, he was breaking the puck out just fine. And I think that when Mike Riley's playing 15 minutes, he's much more effective when he's playing 22 just calms his game down a little bit you don't have to do too much and hey he still relied on on the pk like only uh erica branson played more pk time sorry and zaitsev so there's that's the first pair and then mike riley playing almost three minutes shorthanded so and we've already lauded the work of the pk uh artem zub was the other defenseman who got a lot of time shorthanded so you know what? Just great work all around by the decor last night, but specifically your second sense Central standout.
0: Yeah, before I get to my guy, I just want to kind of echo your statements. I did think Riley played a better game, and we've talked about it this whole time leading up to the season. Mike Riley, I think, can be a really good bottom pair slash seventh defenseman. But that's not how he's being utilized. So it's it's kind of unfair that uh, we're ragging on him so hard. It's kind of like Faneuf, right? Like Faneuf got that massive contract. He was the captain for the Leafs and everybody was dogging on him because he wasn't living up to it. Well, that's not fair. That's not the style and uh, caliber of defenseman he was. So I think that's going to be a real positive for Mike Riley. But now moving on to Thomas Shabbat: 26 minutes, 5 seconds, 2 points on the night, a goal and an assist. I already talked about it with that goal, joining the rush. Shabbat needs to have those moments where he can make a quick split decision and say, I have a good chance to create some offense off this rush. Sure, it may leave uh, the defense behind me a little weak, a little suspect. But that's fine because I'm a player that's skilled enough to do that. And my team needs me to do that if we're going to generate offense. So I thought Shabbat played an excellent game. He looks great out there on the power play, moving the puck around. And how about six hits from Shabbat? That's something you usually don't see. So Thomas Shabbat is back and he is feeling it.
1: Oh, man, Chabot, we mentioned the six hits, which was a game high, but he took a hard one from Alexander Romanov. What did you think of Nick Paul going after Romanov right away? It did put them shorthanded, maybe not in the best situation, but when you see your star get hit like that, even if it's clean, especially by a rookie in a rivalry game, I have
0: no issue. Actually, I love it. Nice. Yeah, I think there's a couple things to break down, and I'm glad you brought that up because, first off, it is a quick snap play. It's not like most big hits where, like, usually most big hits, like the bench is yelling, like, hey, Shabbat, keep your head up. Like, he's coming, he's coming. And they'll try to, like, notify you at least because you can see it. But that was a quick hit. He had his head down right near the net. And I think if this was anyone other than three guys, Shabbat, Kachuk, or Timmy Stutzla I don't think I would like that play by Nick Paul because that was a clean excellent hockey hit you like sit you can be biased as a sense fan but that was a great hit and the problem with this league is every single time there seems to be a great hit. Somebody feels the need to stick up for someone when you got to be like, you know what? You got him. Like that was Shabbat with his head down and you got him clean. But in this scenario, it's a tight game up against the rival team. You've just lost nine straight goddamn games. Thomas Shabbat is just coming off an injury. I think it's a good move by Nick Paul because you got to show teams that you're not going to accept that. But like I said, I would like to see less of those big hits resulting in an, uh, an immediate fight and then a penalty after, because that's a part of the game. you got to let it happen, and you got to get your licks back later.
1: That wasn't the only rough stuff either in the third period, a little battle in front of the net between Erica Branson and Corey Perry, but the moment that Goody's wires crossed, I think Corey Perry uh, saw God a little bit, and he's like, you know what? i got to get out of this situation and just hold
0: on for dear life. Yeah, Perry clearly wanted no part of that. I think even t- he was looking at the linesman and started tapping the linesman on the shoulder, like, hey, uh, get me out of here. Get me i here.
1: played a thousand games in this league. Get me out of here. I didn't <laughs> sign up for this.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, hey, Corey Perry, man, that is going to be a story we're going to be following along because the Sens got a lot more matchups. And I think as the season gets on, we're going to see a lot more heated matchups as well. And these teams are sick of playing against each other.
1: Yeah, so those are our Send Central standouts. Shabbat, Brandstrom, Murray, and Timmy Superstar. Go have your say as well on Twitter at Send Central. Lots of great replies there. I already mentioned Artem Zub, and there's a whole lot more. So go check that out and make sure you subscribe to Locked On Senators. We always appreciate that. Some reviews as well. Uh, we've noticed an uptick in those since we started mentioning it. So uh, we request very nicely, if you don't mind, getting over there and, and just writing a quick word. Uh, it does go a long way. So... Great vibes off of a a victory, finally, for the Ottawa Senators. We're going to preview in a moment whether they can do it again tomorrow. We'll obviously touch on our Locked On player, and that's because tomorrow is our second day off of the week. We're going to come back on Sunday to recap the, the game afterwards and our Central citizen. We would never forget that. It's a weekend staple here on the Locked On Senators podcast. One thing that happened right after our show yesterday, Pilsy, was Nick Kiprios on his show said Derek Stepan is being shopped. And Bruce Garyok said as much on the intermission report last night that maybe it just wasn't as good of a fit as had been figured out. No, my initial reaction to that is, uh, wouldn't you do your due diligence before giving up a second round pick? But they thought he was going to come in and play with Stutzla. He was on the fourth line with Galchenyuk and Austin Watson. And he did, however, of course, get his time on the penalty kill. So played maybe 14 minutes last night. What's going to happen with Derek
0: Stepan, and and what is a, a preferred solution do you think for the team? Yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen with Stepan here because it's tough. Like a second round pick, sure, the Sens had a bunch of them, and they they flex that uh, that weight and uh, their their assets, but. That's still a massive trade to get Derek Stepan. And I think the Senators, they kind of banked on a lot of bounce back seasons from the guys they acquired, right? Like you look at Matt Murray is the best example. He had the worst season of his career last year and they gave him a fat contract and traded yet again another second round pick. Derek Stepan, worst year of his entire career big trade to try to get him into bounce back. I would say even Goody and uh, Watson didn't have great years before and they scooped him up hoping for a bounce back season. So that's something we got to be weary of here with Pierre Dorian, but with Stepan and I think Bruce Garyok said it as well. A big part of this is he just had a, a new child with his family. He's not going to be able to see them at all because they're in the States and he's in Canada. If they wanted to bring him up, it'd be one hell of a quarantine. You got young kids. That's tough. So I think that's that's a bigger mental strain than people realize. And part of me is thinking that maybe, although Matt Murray was able to see his uh, wife and and child, newborn child, it's still a strain. So maybe that was the reason why the start of his season was a little shaky, wasn't all there mentally. So I think with Derek Stepan, this just isn't working out. And I don't think it's going to work out either, especially when you see the play of Josh Norris, Colin White's getting back there. Chris Tierney looks great. Maybe we see Logan Brown injected into this lineup after they've seen what uh, happens with Branstrom and Norris. So It's not working out for Stepan here. The best you can hope for is that he can get some opportunities to shine and you can flip him for a pick, but there is no way the Sens are recouping a second-round pick for this guy. Like At best, you're probably looking at a fourth round and maybe a young prospect that had a down year that, again, they're hoping for a bounce back for, but this is just an unfortunate situation all around. But You have to
1: imagine Pierre Dorian goes into any trade conversation hoping that that's the price. Because one thing that is in Dorian's favor is the fact that Derek Stepan's contract in real money is so much less than his cap hit. The Sens should have absolutely no problem holding on to 50% and retaining that, right? Because they're going to have to. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that that could recoup a bit of value that maybe they lost with his performance on the ice. I'm saying that the price is probably like a third and a fourth type thing. Maybe get two picks, but not have them as high as the second rounder, that sort of thing. And then you just hope that Trent Mann can go to work the way that he's proven he's been able to do in the past and make the most of those picks.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's all. Like, I mean, that's all you can do at this point. And Ross, what's going to be interesting and what we need to follow along with is uh, now that there's more heated talks about the double draft kind of happening in 2022, how much more valuable are the 2021 draft picks going to be than 2022 draft picks, right? Because Sure. You're, you're saying you got an extra year of uh, age of guys that are available and uh, eligible for that 2022 draft, but there's no extra time to see development and stuff. So all the good players are going to be scooped up in that first draft, leaving those uh, second uh, draft picks kind of less valuable. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, there's a lot to figure out when it comes to the draft and whether there's going to be two in the same year and in a couple years from now or whatnot. But one, uh, our friend of the show, uh, Tony Ferrari, he had uh, Will Scouch, another guest from this show, on his Dauber Draftcast. I'd recommend going to listen to that. There's a, a very good idea within, and we'll give you some time and, and uh, not mow their lawn and go listen to that, and then we'll break that down next week because I thought it was a really fantastic idea to help scouting in this time where it's as difficult as ever. It's also difficult because a lot of body shops are closed if you need something with your car, and that's why rockauto.com is now more valuable than ever it's a family business that serves auto parts to customers but they do it online and they've been doing it for 20 years how's that for a seal of longevity go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules tail lamps brake parts motor oil even new carpet and whether it's for your classic or daily drive get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You'd have to be crazy to do that. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right? Locked on. In their how-did-you-hear-about-us box, that way they know that we sent you the best prices on the market, reliable selection. It's rockauto.com. All right, Pilsy, we're about to get into tomorrow's matinee, a 1 p.m. game in Ottawa, so a home-and-home home set against the Montreal Canadiens. But before we do that, I teased it just a little bit off the top that this is the first Senators' regulation win on the road in over a calendar year since january 28th it was a 5-2 victory over buffalo i mean they won one game since and it was in overtime however against the san jose sharks that one was march 7th but pilsey how funny is this it was 2-2 going into the third period mike riley scores his first goal of the year this is january 28th then mark borwiecki scores his sixth goal of the year he was a unreal offensive wagon last year and then the empty netter, Nikita Zaitsev, scores his first goal of the year. So a 2-2 tie, then three defensive-minded defense. I guess Riley not so much, but still his first of the year. I thought that was just a funny parallel to the decor that we've seen this year and having two of the same guys. But what a streak. A 1-10-2 record since January of last year. But guess what, Bills? They are on a one-game regulation road win streak now.
0: Yep, the win streak starts now and we don't have to talk about losing streaks and that's that's probably going to be a record for a long time. Like what what was the exact stat a full calendar year before a road win in regulation? In regulation. Yeah, January 28th,
1: 2020, and now it's February 4th. They get back into the regular. Yeah, that's going to be whistle. a
0: stat that uh, hangs in the rafters like you can't you can't erase the history books on that one so uh good uh, all publicity is good publicity right
1: well if we're going to retire it that would be the best i never want to see a, a losing streak that long on Honestly. the road but that's where you know that's i believe why they in part brought in all these veterans you can't get the matchups you want on the road as easily but the good news for ottawa they start a three-game homestand tomorrow they play montreal then Two against the Edmonton Oilers. Some revenge on deck, please, after a pair of tough losses where they allowed 12 goals in two games against the Edmonton Oilers. But let's focus on tomorrow's opponent, the Montreal Canadiens. Who are you looking out for? It was Tyler Toffoli last game for you, and he did absolutely nothing to, to scare you. Is that almost more worrisome? You think he's ready to explode tomorrow? Or does he only play well against the Canucks?
0: Yeah, I think he only plays well against the Canucks. But, hey, he does have a little chip on his shoulder with the Sens too, right? Like that's a team that uh, he was interested in signing and things went a different way. So maybe he's got some some intensity there, but my lookout player is going to be Corey Perry. We saw a little bit of Corey Perry with Goody at the end there. Corey Perry is not a fire. That's very obvious, but what he is going to do is he's going to continue to get under the skin of these defensemen. So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on him, making sure that uh, he's not doing anything too dirty, making sure that the Sens can keep their cool with him, keep their emotions calm. So they don't take any dumb penalties and Corey Perry, I think a lot of people forget that he's still a talented hockey player. Sure, last year, the regular season wasn't that great for him, but he was a massive part of the Dallas Stars getting to the Stanley Cup Finals, especially with all the injuries they had to deal with. So Corey Perry's still a gamer, and I'm going to be watching out for him for sure. I wish I could say the
1: entire top line because I thought they were all fantastic for Montreal last game, Deno Gallagher and Tatar, but I'm going to focus on Thomas Tatar. Not only was he on the ice for 28 shots, Four at even strength last game at five on five. He was only on for eight against, which was the top uh, Corsi number in the entire game. But I look at Tatar as a guy who, much like Corey Perry, had a downturn in his career, although Tatara at a much younger age. He's really been for Montreal what Vegas thought they were getting when they gave up a first, second, and third round pick for him at the trade deadline a couple of years ago, he did get an assist on that opening goal for Montreal last game where Gallagher scored. So that whole line needs to be keyed on. But I think with the home ice advantage, getting that ultimate matchup, I think you're going to be able to see Connor Brown and Chris Tierney go up against that line head to head and maybe cause them to slow down a little bit offensively. Because if they're able to shut down that top line of Montreal, I like Ottawa's chances a lot, a lot better so I'm going to be keeping an eye out for Thomas Tatar in terms of Ottawa how could you not be looking for an encore from Timmy Stutzla we've already covered it so much I feel like and I think I've said this before we owe that kid some royalties not only for his appearance as a guest on this show which you can go back and listen to from November just a great kid but I feel like it's like 10 titles have been named after him he is just Complete superstar, something that hasn't been in the market since Eric Carlson was shipped away. Maybe Mark Stone, but I feel like his his stock has really blown up since leaving Ottawa, maybe just the extra visibility. But what we're seeing is the start of an unbelievable career. I just can't see how we're jinxing it or anything. He just has so many intangibles that you love to see. His skill speaks for itself, but I want to see him now string. He has goals in three straight games. He's got four, sorry, five points in those three games as well, can he keep this rolling in against Montreal on home ice? So I hope the answer is yes. And you know what? I'm pretty confident that it will be as well.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And Ross, you said you hope to see an encore from Timmy Stutzla. He's basically played another half set for you <laughs> three straight games. So that's pretty. And three points in last night's game. So that's massive for Timmy Stutzla. And I think it, it's crazy to look. If you look at uh, the Senators' uh, points leaders on their page, this is wild. Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat, Tim Stutzla, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, top I love five. That all under 25 years old. You've got to love it. The That's the thing. Like DJ Smith can maybe have the mentality, yeah, I'm going to play the vets. The, I don't want the young guys getting their confidence down. But eventually, you can't avoid it when these guys night in and night out are your best players. And Pelzi,
1: if you sort rookie scoring leaders by points per game and you just pump it up to a minimum of three games played, so if you're like just one game, get them out of there, the Senators have... Three players in the top 10 for rookie scoring. Tim Stutzla at 0.75 points per game. Artem Zub with two and three. So he's got a 0.67. And then Josh Norris still holding steady with six points in 11 games. He is in eighth place on that list. Funny to see Pius Suter there as well. The former invitee to Sens training camp. He's had a great start with Chicago. But Pillsy, we haven't had your... I'm locked on to Tim Stutzla. And how about you tomorrow?
0: Well... News coming down on the wire. This is great for uh, my locked-on player. Derek Stepan has been going through a lot of stuff with the Ottawa Senators. So what do you do when you're going through some struggles? Let's switch up that number. Breaking news, Derek Stepan switching from number 15 to number 21. He's trying to get some more confidence in here. 15's not working out for him, so he's going to switch to 21. And here's the thing. I'm locked on Derek Stepan because all eyes are on him now. This was uh, the the final kind of veteran piece you thought would bolster your lineup you paid a hefty price for him it's really not working out for him you can't find anywhere to put him he's not scoring in good opportunities his face-offs are only okay so I want to see Derek Stepan turn it around because if he wants to get traded he's going to have to pull, pull his socks up and pull some of the weight himself to make himself a more valuable asset to be traded for so you because the senators aren't going to trade him away for a fifth round pick or something they need to re- coop some of that asset so i'm going to be locked on to derek Stepan to see how he's going to convince the ottawa senators either that they should keep him or that he's going to convince the other 30 teams in the league that they should make a trade for him
1: is he blaming his start on the number 15
0: <laughs> he might be honestly
1: like I, I i'm just so confused and i mean logan brown's not on the Sens' active roster so number 21 like not really needed right now as much as fans want to see him get in the lineup the corresponding move though his number with Ottawa Logan Brown that is will now be number 27 and uh who was it here I believe it was Ken Warren yeah who pointed out that Daryl Sittler had some pretty good numbers wearing number 27 at center I think that's a a pump the brakes situation for Logan Brown (laughs) comparing him to Daryl Sittler but uh yeah so there's the news today Derek Stepan changing to number 21 I guess just for a confidence thing. Like, I don't know. This seems like it's kind of out of left field. One day the, the parties want to move on from each other. The next day he's changing his number. Huh?
0: Yeah, it is weird. I don't, I don't really understand it to be honest. And I'm not like, I'm not one of those guys that obsesses over the numbers like you do. But I, hey, you got to try something. You know, some guys they change the color on their their tape. They change what door they walk into in the arena. Like I don't know. There's lots of weird superstitions that uh, the guys have to do. And who knows? Maybe number twenty one lights it up for the sends. We'll see. Hey, we'll see tomorrow
1: and you are locked on Derek Stepan. I'm locked on Tim Stutzla. Pillsy, what's your key to a victory in tomorrow's game?
0: My key to a victory in tomorrow's game and the Senators, although they did get a victory, they did not follow my key to a victory last time. And that was play a full 60. That third period was atrocious and Matt Murray stole the game for them. My key is going to be helping out Matt Murray. You got to clear that crease like, The first goal only goes in, and I'm not blaming Stepan, and I forget uh, who the defenseman was in front for the first goal because that was a lucky bounce, and Gallagher's right in position, so not much you can do there. But there's been a lot of goals scored on the Ottawa Senators by guys getting those garbage goals right in the crease. Now that Matt Murray has his confidence, he's got his mojo back, don't let these crappy little garbage goals ruin it. So I want to see the defenseman being tenacious in that slot. Like, give... Pierre Dorian praised how good of a cross checker Erica Branson is cross check some guys get him out of the had crease a, he had a good one last night actually I, I smiled when I saw it that's what I want to see that's what I love to see make those guys hesitant to get in there especially Montreal when you got guys like Brendan Gallagher that are uh, more than willing to get in the dirty areas you got to make a clear message that Any puck that drops within a two, three foot radius of Matt Murray, we're going to be the ones that are getting that puck. Matt Murray's going to smother it or we're going to clear it. You're not going to have a chance and you're going to have some bruises on your back when the game's done as well.
1: My key, and I like that one as well, because the second half, again, there's that little bit more animosity that happens naturally once you play the same team a couple times. Like you don't think the boys are going to be looking out for uh, Alexander Romanov tomorrow for, for that big hit. He put on Thomas Shabbat, like the game within the game will be evident last night. Surprisingly, the Ottawa Senders out hit for one of the first times in the season. And usually the comeback to that for people who don't like using hits as a stat is, Oh, well the other team had the puck all the time. Well, the Habs outshot Ottawa by 16 shots and also out hit them. So I'd like to see Ottawa, a bit of pushback in that department and uh, just some funny tweets coming in. We we tweeted out the Step and number change and uh Kachuk Me Daddy, great handle, by the way, said that number 15 should be retired in Ottawa anyways, 50 in 06, 50 in 07 for Danny Heatley. But Zach Smith wearing that number for 10 years might have something to say about that afterwards. My key, however, is getting the power play going. We saw some better puck movement on it. We, we we're getting there if you're Ottawa. They got the one goal. On the power play stutzla at the end of the period. Let's see that roll into another situation because that they've alternated games. They had one power play goal, then 0 for 5, then two power play goals, then 0 for 5, then one power play goal. So let's try to get two power play goals in back-to-back games for the first time this season. If you can get special teams going, it's going to be in a very important piece to getting this win back on track like they're only seven games seven points rather out of a playoff spot with games in hand so is that a little bit too much confidence maybe but when all the points stay in the division you can catch up in a hurry as long as you're getting points on a nightly consistent basis so that is my number one move is get the power play going and play with the lead how much fun was that in the last 40 minutes of the game having a 3-1 lead ultimately yeah 3-2 got a little tense there at the end but it just eases so much of the stress. And I'd imagine for the young players as well, you don't have to grip the stick as tight and it just helps out all over the place. Speaking of help, let's move on to the little news and notes segment. We've got UND coming up with back-to-back games. The Nodak sends, they've been off for a little while. Great highlight reel though. Uh, A a clip that uh, Brad Sloshman, who's been a guest on this show, he had uh, on Jake Sanderson, just absolutely dominating offensive zone possession but it's going to be a while before the trio of Nodak sends defensemen make the jump and that's why you got to fill out that belleville roster by the way we have a rumor we'll share with you about belleville coming up soon but they've signed an old friend pilsey an olympian if i
0: may say Yep, you got to get the Olympians in the lineup. Artem Artem Zub showing you why. And hey, Cody Goluboff, I thought was a great part of this Belleville Center squad. He even played in the NHL for quite a bit. So uh, he was great in Belleville, though. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I mean. He was great for Belleville. And side note, he did play in the NHL. <laughs> um, but <laughs> twenty-four I, games, dude. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. That those are Yikes. some lean times. Um, but. I think this is the kind of guy they need. Like they just traded away Lajoie and Yarosh and didn't get any defensemen in return. It's looking like Eric Branstrom is not going to be a part of your Belleville senators. And that's a massive hole. Like you're looking at Ole Alsing and Lassie Thompson as your, top pair defenseman in Belleville and that's not going to cut it when you've got a team that's uh, got so much potential and had such a good chance last season you got to give these guys a little more support so I like the move bringing Cody Goluboff the only thing the Sens got to do now and this isn't related to the back end but they got to get Darren Archibald back there in Belleville although I think he's off in in Russia or Sweden so that's too bad.
1: Hey, maybe he's just a stolen stick away from getting back to the (laughs) AHL. (laughs)
0: Yeah, too bad Jordan Murray couldn't come back. We'll give you three free sticks, Jordan Murray. Yeah. yeah. Marion Gavrick sticks. We've got a couple extras. You like those? 100%.
1: That's too much. Too much. All of the free sticks for Jordan Murray if he does want to come back and help out this decor. Hey, speaking of Belleville, JP O'Connor, a color commentator with the Laval Rocket. So basically the situation with Belleville and Toronto, they're waiting for the Ontario government to decide that they're able to play. But JP O'Connor yesterday saying that expect to see Belleville in Montreal for a set against the Laval Rocket beginning February 13th, which is just a week away. That's next Saturday. So we'll keep our eyes peeled on that. No show tomorrow. Maybe some more information coming up on that as soon as Sunday's show. But you know that we are locked on the Ottawa and Belleville senators so we'll be all over that story as it unfolds one other note yeah Jason Spezza hat trick last night sick third goal whatever leafs won who cares uh this is not a leafs show but yeah had to get that in there because Pilsy, that spezza third goal it was reminiscent of some some nice ones he had in Ottawa
0: Oh, what a beautiful goal. If you were gonna tell me that's a guy in his late thirties, kinda on the the downturn of his career, ready to ride out into the sunset soon, I would not have believed you, especially to get that a highlight goal to complete the hattie. Like, look, I hate the Leafs just as much as any other person, but to watch Jason Spezza getting to do that, you gotta feel good for him.
1: Yeah, the Spez dispenser. And now I guess they're calling him vintage, but you remember the vintage, vintage version of Jason Spezza when he was dominating the Toronto Maple Leafs game in and game out. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Great to recap a victory for Brandon Pillar. I'm Ross Levitan. We'll be back on Sunday. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.